in a constantly changing world. Today is as simple as it gets. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast to explore, experiment, and power up your leadership to make the difference to your business, your people, and your success. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we dig deep into global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. So hi and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Enigma and I'm really excited about this one because I've got a friend, colleague and provocateur Nick Holly with me on this particular episode. Now I've had the privilege of working with Nick on multiple projects uh, for multiple organizations and across jurisdictions and it's always been a lot of fun. And the title of this particular episode is Leadership Development Unfit for Purpose. Now, Nick is really the best person to help us navigate through this particular challenge. Uh, he has a portfolio, certainly focused on leadership and HR. He's currently the director of CRF Learning. He's a global educator for a number of the world's largest business schools, and he's the number five most influential speaker in HR. I think that's correct, isn't it, Nick? And welcome. Thinker. But number five, correct. <laughs> well, we couldn't get the first four, so welcome to the Leadership Enigma. But it's great, to have you. it's great to have you on the show, and I hope you're keeping well. So, Nick, leadership development, unfit for purpose. So tell me, why, why that topic? I think organisations spend billions on leadership development and had for years, and yet I come across very few who have actually gone into a systematic measurement of the return on their investment. There seems to be a, a sort of an article of faith that we should develop our leaders. And whilst what we're talking about today isn't just about coronavirus and the lockdown, I think it's going to be very interesting for organisations to observe their leaders during a real crisis when they're under real stress. Yeah. And how are they reacting? How many of them are disappearing? How many of them are stepping up to the plate? How many of them are mindfully applying the things that they've learned on some program in a, in a top-class hotel somewhere in the world? Yep. Um, how many of them really recognize that business is about people and their role as leaders is to lead the business, but also to engage a workforce who are disconnected, stressed, and desperate for leadership? Do you think the current situation that we're all navigating at the moment has probably or likely to change the face of leadership development forever? Um, it should. Um, whether it does, I'm more cynical because, okay. you know, whilst the recession back in 2008-9 was nothing like as bad as this, I, I thought it was going to make some changes then, not just to leadership development, to an awful lot of things. But I think and it's interesting looking for people wanting to find a new normal when I don't think there will be a new normal but I think it is absolutely critical that organizations do look at how they develop and hopefully we'll talk about this in more detail not develop their leaders but develop leadership right because I think that is one of the root causes of the problems we have now, Nick, I think you alluded to just how much money is spent on this. And I think in one of your articles, you mentioned 366 billion annually spent to help leaders. Is that about right? Who knows? It was an article in Forbes. Um, 
and it was written by a journalist. So who knows? But I've, one of the things I've learned is if you're going to publish an article, put a big number in it because it attracts people's attention. Um, I think the issue is not how much we spend globally. The issue is how much are organisations investing? And I suspect it is that kind of number because that might be the direct cost. But I think the real issue is not just the direct cost of running programmes, it's the opportunity cost of taking leaders out of the business for long periods of time. And it's dressed up as it's glue because they network and they, they meet each other, which I kind of get. And I'd almost say if that's the reason for doing it, then don't pretend. And that's a good reason to do it. But if you're measuring the impact in terms of what difference is it making to leadership, what difference is it making to the survival and the thriving of a business? That's where I speak. You know, what worries me is not the amount we spend. I just think we spend it in the wrong ways. And also we don't measure the impact of it. Okay. Now it's interesting because, you know, from a professional services background, perhaps it's always more acute because they talk about fee earners and, and the amount of and a billable hours. And I suppose they, they acutely start to calculate what does it cost them if they send someone out of the office to one of these plush hotels that you talk about? But you mentioned the real issue is that the focus has been on the individual as opposed to what they can do as a collective for the organisation. Is that right? Yeah, and I think the danger is that I see so much leadership development is based on developing some competency framework that establishes what the perfect leader looks like. Um, and then tries to train everybody to be the same. Right. Now, often one of the core elements of this is about effective communication, etc. And it seems to be predicated on everybody being an extrovert. Well, in my experience, some of the very, very best leaders I've been led by or have worked with have been introverts. And if you actually looked at a lot of the elements of these leadership frameworks, they wouldn't match up to them. And also, you know, most of these leadership frameworks are paradoxical anyway, because we want our leaders to be focused on the big picture, but have attention to detail. You know, we need our pe- leaders to get close to our people, but be objective enough to make tough decisions. Well, these are dilemmas in a way, aren't they, Nick? Well, they're complete paradoxes because you can't have one or the other. Yeah. And I think this is where I'm getting at when we focus on developing leaders as opposed to developing leadership, because one of my beliefs is leadership is a team game, not an individual game. You do you know, think, the, do you think you know, we've been guilty, or do you think the, the sector, or, or us as a whole, I'm using the royal us as a whole, I mean, do you think we've been guilty of trying to cookie-cut leaders, or leadership, or organisations have been guilty of trying to cookie-cut the perfect leader? Totally, and I, I think one of the issues is... A lot of business schools, not all of them, Mm -hmm. um, have a history of teaching things to people so they can pass their bachelor's or their master's or their DBA or whatever they're studying for. So ultimately, the the trick is fill people with facts that they then trot out in the exam and then they get a a lovely certificate. That reminds me of university, doesn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. And, And also, most of the methodologies used haven't changed since... Bologna or Cambridge or the Sorbonne in the 15th century. So why do we hold on to that with such passion then? Or why is that still being used as the way forward for leadership? Because I think a lot of leadership development done by business schools, you now have business schools under financial pressure. 
they're looking for additional revenue streams. So let's launch leadership development and get our faculty to teach people how to be leaders. Right. But I don't think you teach people how to be leaders. I think, first of all, you've got to work with leadership teams to help them become more effective. And I think the other root cause of this is I come across very, very few people in leadership development who start with the question, what is the problem in our organization that leadership is the answer to? Right. And therefore, we're not grounding it in the, the challenge and the reality of our organization. And of course, we should never forget that the individual leaders aren't paying for their development. The organization is. And therefore, surely we should be thinking about the stakeholders in the organization, shareholders, but customers, employees, wider society, and understanding how leadership teams can deliver value to their organizations, however you define that. So in, in a way, that's almost the ultimate exam question for the organization itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, you mentioned I do a lot of work in the HR space. And it never ceased to amaze me how I'm working with a, an HR team and they, they show me what they're doing. And I ask the question, so what is the business problem that that is an answer to? Right. And it's kind of a blank face. Because, you know, I, I remember working with one L&D person. He was running all these NLP courses. And what he wanted help with was to get me to help him get more people on his courses because, you know, these internal courses, nobody was booking on them. Right. And when, when I asked him, so what's the business problem? The, of course, the answer to you just said, but, well, doesn't need one. NLP is good for everybody. And what really came out was he was a master NLP practitioner. And therefore, he taught NLP. He wasn't really interested in the people he was teaching or what the challenges were that they were facing. He wanted to turn them into acolytes who would go out and preach the gospel of NLP is the answer to everything. So really for leadership development to be fit for purpose, what's it got to do? Well, it's got to start with the, it's got to start at the, at the beginning with what, you know, what's the context of the organization? What are the challenges you're facing? Um, and I think the next stage then is to take development to where the challenge is happening. And you and I have been flown around the world in, you know, business class, stayed in nice hotels. Is that really where the challenge is? And I actually think, comes back to a question you asked earlier, I think there is some hope coming out of the current environment because that's not happening. But that doesn't mean leadership development stops. And of course, because most people are in lockdown, you have to take the learning to them. Mm. And I'm seeing some really sophisticated examples because there are, thank goodness it's happening today, not 20 years ago. You know, when I started in business 40 years ago, the most important person in our office was the telex operator. Most people won't even know what a telex was. Hey, Tell them what telex is. But there were, you know, because there were no computers, there were no mobile phones, and everything was done through the telex. And um, I think the fact is today, there are so many amazing learning tools, you know, Zoom, fine, but Zoom to me is a great meeting tool, but it's not a way of doing learning online. But I think with online whiteboards, with chat rooms, etc., etc., you can actually construct learning in small bite-sized pieces, deliver it when it's needed, 
rather than when everybody can get to the same hotel together. And you can actually slip it into their day. So rather than you spend a week studying leadership, you're actually spending an hour while you're leading, getting individual coaching and support to help you be a better leader. And through sharing platforms, you can do it as a leadership team. You know, I, I always, one of my favorite books is uh, Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. Oh, yes, great book. And I love the philosophy behind that. It's, it's not about the big intervention that changes everything. It's about hundreds and hundreds of small interventions that, that finally shift the tipping point and things change. But looking back, you won't know which one that changed. And when you're preparing it, you don't know which one will make the difference. But you just keep at it. But if you make it real and relevant and at the right time when the challenge is happening, people will engage with it. Now, that sounds like a challenge in itself, doesn't it, for at the right time? You know, is it just in time training? Is it, is it proactive? Or I don't know, what is the answer to that? When is the right time for that intervention or that, that lesson of learning? And I think your two examples there, I would say yes and yes. <laughs> because if you're moving away from a programmatic approach to leadership development, mm -hmm. to something that is more about a suite of micro interventions, some of them might be things that people access when they need it. So having a cohort of online coaches that you can call off to provide specific help. Yep. Or, and I think this is a real challenge for business at the moment, is there are three phases. Businesses need to survive. But I think we're starting to come out of that. Most organizations have taken the tough calls to, to restructure their, their cost base. Survival. Exactly. Reset is critical because if you don't reset today, if you won't thrive in the future, whenever and whatever that will be. And I think there's a real opportunity to work with leaders to get them to think about reset. Not, not to plan for the future, but to prepare for multiple different futures because we just don't know what they'll be. But I think the chance to use online sharing tools to, to not just respond to their need, but to respond to the business need of how do we reset the business and through that develop their ability to lead more effectively and to get them to work more effectively as teams around a real challenge, which is our business model needs to shift fundamentally. And do you know what? We don't know what it needs to shift towards, but it needs to shift. So I go back to some of my days as a, you know, a trial lawyer and as a cop. And I remember some of the most impactful learning I ever had was maybe in context learning. So advocacy training in a mock courtroom or having a petrol bomb thrown at my head in a mock <laughs> village. You know, I, I know those are extreme examples. Yeah. But where, where does that, because you and I have been involved in some pretty punchy experiential learning in context as well. Does that still have a place? I think it still has a place. I think... The challenge for people like you and me and our colleagues is how do you design stuff that you can do remotely? Right. I've been involved with some, some of my interesting customers. I'm working with, a, oh, I mentioned a company called Avenade, who are a joint venture between Microsoft and um, Accenture. Uh -huh. um, so they've obviously got a tech background. We were going to be developing this program and delivering it around the world we're now doing it virtually and i've had the real pleasure of working with a proper distance learning e-learning you know whatever you want to call it yeah. designer who really knows how to do this stuff 
and what we've been talking about is some of these experiential things that we've done and what she's doing is coming up with absolute genius ways of leveraging the technology to do them in a one hour exercise or whatever where where people are all over the world and i i think that the skill set we're going to need in leadership development is going to be a lot more coaching and a lot more design and certainly as you mentioned at the beginning I've, i work with a number of different providers yeah. and the ones i've always enjoyed working with and adam you're one of them oh, are people who can, people who can design these really amazing experiential learning not here's my slide pack and i'll teach you my model right but to really put people under at times quite a lot of pressure make them feel really uncomfortable but in a safe environment where as you say you know it's not a real petrol bomb and it's not going to hit you on the head but at the time it feels pretty close to it but as you say that that creates the thirst and the need to learn because one of the questions I keep getting asked is we have all this leadership development. So how do you get, you know, how do you take the horse to water and make it drink? Yes. And I just think the framing of the question is dumb because if you've got water and you make the horse thirsty, it'll drink. And therefore the challenge is not is by really positioning this correctly, by making it really relevant, by providing experiential, by providing the individual and the team coaching, people desperately want it, but they just don't see the relevance of somebody showing a bunch of PowerPoint slides or running through a case study of some irrelevant company in a different sector, in a different industry, in a different country that's 40 years old. <laughs> so do you actually think that what we're going through at the moment and the world is going through a, a deeply uh, difficult shared experience. It's different for all of us, but it's a shared experience that actually it's going to put some forms of learning and development that we took for granted basically out on its backside. Um, I, I don't think it is because I think that there are, there are a number of people who deliver that stuff who are still very persuasive Mm -hmm. who will still get corporate L and D people to buy it from them. And there's still kudos, isn't there, to some of those big, those big names or those big business school names. I, I always remember when I was, um, I won't mention the company, but I was director of global people development in a big global organization. And I remember the COO got this Harvard business school professor to be his personal coach. Right. And it started turning into a competition amongst the executive team of, well, your, you know, your, yours is a professor at such and such a business school. Well, mine's a Nobel Prize winner. Uh, I don't know if you remember the four Yorkshiremen sketch. Oh, it's when they were all trying to outdo each other on how, how terrible their childhood was. Oh, how poor they were. Yeah, how poor they were. Yeah, middle of, I used to live in paper bag in middle of road. Yeah, that's paper right. Paper bag in middle of road, that's luxury. I, I lived in shoe. In shoe. <laughs> yeah, I'll, we'd get home and mum and dad used to slice us in two with bread knife and dance on our graves. But it's that kind of thing of, you know, my, my coach is higher profile. And, and when you actually started chatting to them about, you know, what are they actually working on? You know, what is the business problem? How are they helping you? How And what they were doing was teaching them stuff that was irrelevant, but that intellectually was quite interesting. And they created dependency. Uh, vanity, not sanity, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, total vanity. But I, but I do think there is an opportunity at the moment 
for organisations and leadership development people to really stand back and use this opportunity not to plan how they're going to restart what they were going to do before, mm -hmm. but to really think through what are we learning from this and frankly what we should have been learning for the last decades. So this is an opportunity for people to rip up the playbook, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's going to rip up loads of playbooks. I've been doing a lot of webinars recently for HR people and um, someone I know very well, Kevin Hall from an organisation called Global Integration, because I'm going to steal his, his example because I think it's brilliant. You know, he asked this great question. He said, think, it, think back to August 2019 and you've been tasked with putting together a, a working group to transfer 50% of your workforce to work from home. How long would it have taken to identify the right people, get them released, get the group together, brief them, get a, get a few proposals from them, get those proposals through approvals when everybody's going, oh, you can't do that. Nobody yeah. works from home. We're a face-to-face -face business. We need interaction. And then how long it would have taken to actually implement that. Now, jump forward today. Yeah. Last week, you did that in one week. Yeah. And amazingly, it's working. <laughs> Yeah. We need to think in very, very different ways. Sorry to interrupt. No, not at all. So, so we're coming to the end of our time together, but let's just think of some of the, some of the things that organizations and, and senior leaders can think about differently or doing differently when we move into whatever might be business as usual and we really got no idea because you yeah. talk about you know continuing a, a cycle of practice, you know, elements of feedback, retention, integration, recalibration. So what's the way, what would be your top tips for organizations and leaders to get this right when we get back to business as usual, whatever that looks like? So I think the, I, I, I will answer it, but I challenge the premise behind the question. Okay. Because I think the key thing is the answer will be different in different organizations. Okay. But I think there are some general issues and one of them it comes to the heart of that is what is the business problem that leadership is the answer to? Right. You know, to really work. And I, I always remember I was head of global leadership development in another organization, had a new CEO. And I thought I'd better go in him and give him a presentation. So I went in and after about five minutes, he just stopped me and said, Nick, Nick, can I just stop you there? I, I think you'll find I'm the leader. Shouldn't you be asking me my opinion? And it was like my little inner voice went, oh, no. <laughs> um, but I never made the same mistake again. So I think we need, I don't think we should be hatching up leadership development with the providers. I think we need to be working with leaders yep. to understand what the, the, the business challenge is, what contribution a leadership can make to it, and leadership, not individual leaders, and then framing the development around those business challenges and providing relevant and you know some of the best work I've been involved with has been based around a project that's not a project created for the leadership development program but a real project you know I was working with one Finnish organization new CEO came in they were looking at strategy and he got the leadership development program to focus on the strategic capabilities that underpin the strategy, the values that would be required and the culture. Right. And they really got engaged in that in parallel with the whole strategy development process. 
So when they came out at the end of the strategy development process, they had all their leaders that had been heavily involved, not, not with what usually happens, which is the consultants come in, ask them questions, and then show a presentation that repeats back all of their answers as if it was something the consultant came up with. It's facilitating not just leadership development and learning, but facilitating major step changes in the organization and how it's performing and what it's doing and how it's doing it with leaders as the catalyst behind that. And my belief is through that process, they will become not just more effective leaders, but they'll become a much more effective leadership population with a leadership culture that's relevant to the, the strategic challenges the organization's facing. And that's the plan, Nick, isn't it? To make leadership development fit for purpose. Exactly. Ta-da! Nick, it's been brilliant talking to you again. I'm grateful for your time. I'm looking forward to you and I uh, sharing uh, a training room again, if it's fit for purpose, in the not-too-distant future. And I hope you'll come back and share some more uh, thinking as well when we get back to business as usual, whatever that might look like or feel like, if you'll do that. Yep, happy to, Adam. Always good to chat to you. Nick, brilliant. Take care of yourself. Cheerio. Join us again next week for more essential insights on the leadership enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or via our website, www.pca-global.com. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.